three-volume autobiography doesn't come close to telling the full story of poet Loris Edmund OBE, so her daughter and literary executor Frances Edmund is filling in the gaps in a biography called Always Going Home. Loris didn't publish her first poetry collection until she was 51. Ten more followed, plus the autobiography, a novel, dramas written for radio and theatre, and her work as an editor. She was 75 when she died in the year 2000. Frances published Night Burns with a White Fire, the essential Loris Edmund, with co-editor Sue Fitchett in 2017. But Always Going Home is very much the personal story of a mother and daughter, both writers with strong personalities. You know, I'm going to start with, for me, one of the most moving parts of the book, and it's early, when you talk about realising that your mum had written poems about your siblings and not about you. It's a lovely story. It speaks to your relationship. Can you take me back to when you talked to Loris and said, hey, what about writing a poem about me? Well, sort of, yes. I mean, I, I don't remember the moment of dawning but I do remember me thinking, gosh, she's written poems for all those others, but not for me. I'd better ask her. So I did. And I don't remember her exact words, but I do remember the poem because I love the poem, Learning to Ride, because it speaks so much to my childhood and all the things about Loris and my relationship that were significant. It's very beautiful. It feels like a, a a love letter, Francis, to you in some ways, this hoping that you will be kept safe. Yeah, that's very mum, very mum, hoping that we will all be kept safe. Were you alike? I see so much the similarity in looks, but what about in personality? Are you alike? I mean, mum was very outspoken and determined, and so am I, outspoken and determined. They are great so, qualities, I think, that she's passed on to you, Francis, personally. Yes. <laughs> well, if well you, I think so, too. I'm very grateful for those. Yeah, I mean, if you weren't determined, I don't believe that you would have written this book. Now, it's interesting because you make the point that Loris had written a three-volume autobiography and of course uh, she has been well researched because she's so respected as a poet and so significant so influential so why did you decide that there were still stories to tell in a personal rather than as you say a literary biography well in a way she'd already done the literary biography by writing you know, her own version of her life. And I didn't want to traverse territory that she had already traversed because I wanted to do something different. So when I was approached to write it, I thought, oh, my God, how do I do this? Uh, Because I can't do it in the way that she's done it. So I'll have to find another way. And I did find another way. I love this. You say your first source for the book is memory. So your memories, your family memories, and of course, talking to people who knew and loved her and had that different perspective. People like Fiona was a gold mine, an absolute treasure, Fiona Kidman, because Fiona and Loris were friends for 28 years. So, you know, 
there was a lot that went down between them in the weekly phone calls. The things that I found out from Fiona, I would never have found out from anybody else, I can assure you. And she was very open. We talked at the launch, but we'd also, she wrote a poem for me this morning, which brought tears to my eyes. It was about the launch and about all the things that we had shared in the constructing of the launch and the book and the, and the poem itself. So uh, she's been a major source of love and care for me over this whole process. We shared a view of Loris and of the world, I think, that informed the book. The book would not be the book it is if it wasn't for Fiona being my fabulous friend. Oh. You had also, of course, access to the letters to, that you wrote to your mother and that she wrote back and her diaries. When you're reading back the letters, is it interesting? Is she very open to you in the letters about what's what's going on? You know, are they very motherly letters or are they quite different? You know, does she overshare or share a great deal with you? She does sort of overshare. But I think I overshare too. Like the letter that's in the, the book is very particularly oversharing, <laughs> I think. <laughs> the one where I tell her about my sex life and my, she tells me about hers and I'm going, oh, my God, did I really say all that to Mum? Did I, did I confess all that stuff to her? I must have because there it is on the page. And in, in some ways, given you know her own experiences, the fact that she was so shocked sometimes by what she discovered um, about your life kind of tickled me. Well, it tickled me too, because one of the things I think about it is that quite a lot of what I wrote at that point was before her own adventures, like, you know, before she got into sex, drugs and rock and roll, or she never got into drugs. And rock and roll wasn't her thing, but sex was. Yeah, I mean, again, reading the foreword to the book where you're you're talking about in the autobiography, Loris was not talking about really in depth the aspects of her marriage. And you, you go into this in great detail. I mean, it's really sad, you know. We we want our parents to be deeply in love and to be mutual mutually respectful, and it was a, a problematic. Um, marriage, as much as your love for both parents comes shining through in this. Uh, but you say you don't believe such silence is any longer necessary. So you are very open about the, the problems and the, the, the violence within the marriage and your mum's unhappiness. But was that a big decision for you to make? It wasn't a big one, but it was a significant one. When I decided that I had to tell those stories, that they could not be left out. It was a significant decision because if I wasn't going to leave them out, then they had to go in. There was only an either or, really. There wasn't anything else. So, um, yeah, it was a big decision to make that I was going to put them in. Were you talking to members of your family about it? Because this is your and your mum's story, but, of course, it's also in large part, their story. So, And you, you say that, you know, there have been issues within the Edmund family, you know, big personalities. 
So what conversations did you have with your siblings? I didn't. I decided not to. I told them so. I said, I'm not going to discuss this book with you. This book is my story, mine and Laura's story, and I'm not going to discuss it with any of you, nor am I going to give you a manuscript to read. And I didn't. And they all took it. I don't know how happily, because they didn't tell me, but they took it and uh, accepted that I wasn't going to show them my manuscript and that I was going to do it my way, which is a very Edmund way of doing things. Yes, I got that impression. (laughs) To do it my way. So, yes, I did it my way. I mean, you knew your mother very well, and of course, this intimate knowledge you have of her poetry, of her writing, but through the process of writing this, through the conversations with Fiona and others, through rereading those letters that you wrote to her and wrote back in those diaries, do you feel that you've got to know your mother even better through writing this? Yes, absolutely. There are things about her I did not know. And I mean, I think that's fine. I think it's good that there are things you don't know about your parents. And so there were things I didn't know about Loris. And her writing is just, it it just was a reminder to me of just how extraordinary it was. You know, she came to writing later. In some ways, the odds were against her, given everything going on with the the family. But I, I wonder in a way that coming to writing later was an advantage for her. She'd experienced so much. She'd lived so much. And her writing was so assured, I feel. Oh, yes. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. Her writing is very assured. But I think that also by the time she was 51, when she published in Middle Air, she had decided that there were a whole lot of things she was going to say, like I decided there were a whole lot of things I was going to say that I hadn't necessarily set out to say when I started on the book because the book didn't set out to be about Loris's sex life. It set out to be about where Loris's poems came from. And it is about that. But it's also about her sex life. I love in chapter eight, you've got a beautiful description that friends describe Loris as having a gift for creating intimacy, compelling, charming, extravagant, and a great enthusiastic curiosity, which again comes out in her writing. Um, And I get a sense that these are all qualities that you knew and respected in her also. Yeah, curiosity is a good word to describe Loris because she was always investigating things. Well, she wanted to know the detail of things. She wanted to know intimately what was going on. It was very much in her style. And you make the point also that quite a few of her poems she addressed really directly to friends and lovers. I hadn't known about the connection with Hone Tufare. I only got to meet him once, but he was just somebody who you will never forget such a force of nature and but that was a very I thought very interesting relationship between the two of them as you describe it oh yes me too me too I spent as I as I say in the book I spent a little bit of time with mum and honey we started by talking about you know your mum controlling her narrative to use that ghastly phrase in her autobiography and your determination to be frank and honest and revealing in this book do you feel that she would be content 
for the full story now to be open to people. You know, I, I feel that I, I can read her poetry at a different level thanks to this book. Do you think she would ultimately be pleased? Yes, I do. I think she would be grateful to me for telling the story that she was unable to tell herself, if you see what I mean. And I know I'm laughing, but I'm sort of laughing. I'm laughing because I think there's irony in there that I have told bits of her story that she did not, could not tell. Because, I mean, Fiona says it in the book. Well, I've quoted Fiona. She says, Loris wanted to be seen as nice. Well, she did, and she was. But in fact, she did all sorts of things that weren't considered nice. Clearly, she wasn't shying away from the truth. She was very self-aware, right? Very self-aware. Yes, she was. And she was aware of what she was doing and what she was concealing too, I think, and her reasons for doing it. But we mentioned before Loris writing a poem for you, but she did describe you as a small child. And again, I thought this was quite lovely. She quite rends my heart at times. She's such a radiant little creature when happy. And yet so many things seem to cause her frustration and dissatisfaction and give her that bewildered, wistful air that is so pathetic. So few children would have a parent writing about them so beautifully. Um, in, in such a way. And then you follow that with, Dearest Mother, there are so many things I wish I'd said to you before you died. And that comes through too. What, what were some of the things you wish you had said to Loris before she passed so suddenly? I mean, that's another part of the story, really. The things that I wish I'd said to her, I wish I'd talked to her more about Rachel and about uh, mental illness and about what it meant in our family. Because, of course, Dad was a depressor too. It's naive to think that there wasn't depression in the family. There was. Dad was an example of it. I was also really fascinated by 22 Grass Street and just how important that home was to her, being her anchorage, you know, and and realising her identity as a writer. So that place was very important to her personally, but also as a writer. Yes, it was. Very important. What was it like? What are your memories of it? Oh, I loved Grass Street. Grass Street was a wonderful house. It's on a hillside and you have to walk down or up to it. That's in the book. You've got to either walk up or walk down. And once you've come one way, you either go back the way you came or you take the alternative route. You go up. You come down and go up, or you come up and come down. Dad always chose the easy way. And your mum? She she wanted exercise. I had a feeling so, she'd take the hard way, eh? It's just in her nature yeah. to push herself. To push herself, yes, she yeah. did. 